Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore. Yes, hello and welcome to all our West Australian football fans to another great edition of Around the Waffle, live on the Backchat YouTube channel and where you get your podcast. Well, we're counting down to round six. In fact, it is the last chance for our stars of the Waffle to make an impression on the state selection before they make the trip to Adelaide on Friday, May 19th for the big state game. My name is Paul Persick. It's a great pleasure to have your company. And unfortunately, Taylor Cowper, our regular co-host, still not feeling 100%, but he will return on Tuesday. But we do have another more than suitable fill-in. He does a great job commentating the Colts and the Waffle W on streamer.com.au. And he's done a great job in league action as well. He is the one, the only, Daniel Hobley. He joins us on the show. Hobbers, welcome, mate. Thank you, Paul. Uh, great to be a part of the program, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on here. And what a big round it is going to be as well. Round six, last chance before a state selection. Who will make the 22 to fly to Adelaide? That'll be answered this weekend. It's going to be a huge round with three games. Very difficult to pick. Oh, without a doubt, there's certainly two teams that have been very, very clear with their intentions going early. And I would say that you peel thunder quite easily, along with Subiaco, have been the teams that have led from the front at this stage. Uh, two teams that have uh, been in familiar territory, have played in grand finals in previous years. And who's to say that that pattern couldn't repeat itself? The old saying, history could repeat. It could. Who knows what might happen? So far, so good for Claremont and Subiaco on top of the ladder. They've got some big games coming up this weekend. We'll preview them in just a little bit. Now, we do apologise to our listeners as well. We did promise Ross McQueen, the coach of East Perth, a chat with us today. Unfortunately, due to circumstances out of our control, he is not available. But good news, East Perth fans and Waffle fans, don't fret. He will join us on Tuesday to talk about their game against South Fremantle, which we'll preview in just a little bit. Hold on to your hats. That one is going to be a good one. Now, some of the big stories, Dan, leading up to the weekend. Great support for state football, especially at this time of the year when WA take on South Australia. Kia have stayed on board for two more years. Yeah, it's massive for the actual league itself, Kia. But you need all your sponsorships and everyone aligning and doing all the right things and and pouring money into the game. So there's enough of it at the AFL level, quite considerably. We always struggle a little bit in those second-tier competitions, and I mean that respectively. But Kia coming on board and extending by two years would just be a, um, yeah, something that they would have wanted to sign off, and they have done. And it's, um, you know, it's a great thing for the actual league itself. You need your big sponsors coming on and, and maintaining the dollar. And you've got Sullivan Logistics coming on board later this year as well. So the dollars that will be pouring into the West Australian Football League is going to be something huge, especially not just this year, but when they transition into full sponsorship in 2024. Well, it's important that sponsorship when it goes into anything in life, that the budget's looked at correctly. And we also need to be making sure that the money is getting back to grassroots football. So if the Waffle and the WA Commission are going to go with the rhetoric that they do care about grassroots football, they need to be making sure... Um, that the money does find its way uh, where it needs to be. And then on the other side of things, there has to be sustainability for the competition going forward through the Waffle W, uh, through the Rogers Cup, um, and obviously the Colts competition, because they're the next tier of players that are going to come through. You can't just be looking at your reserves competition um, and you know maintaining your player list from there. You've got to go from the bottom up. 
Absolutely, and credit to Michael Roberts and all of the West Australian Football Commission and all at Kira Australia for uh, throwing their support behind not only uh, the respective leagues, but also the state game as well. Of course, a reminder that the state game is on Friday, May 19th, and we will have two specials over the next week here on Around the Waffle, previewing and reviewing the big clash between the Sandgropers and the Crow Eaters. Also, Dan, this weekend is Umpire Appreciation Round. They don't get a lot of credit, our field and boundary umpires and our goal umpires that are out there officiating the game. As the old saying goes, without umpires, we won't have a game. Yeah, look, I think it's a little bit, but I'll go back the other way. I'm pretty old-fashioned, Paul. I, I don't really think that you perhaps need to have an umpire appreciation round. And the reason I say that is they should be appreciated each week. So it's a bit of a um, reverse comment. I, I understand that. But umpire appreciation round, I think, is just more to give clubs, especially at junior level, uh, right through to the mid-tier up to senior level, just that gentle reminder that, you know, the umpires, they are human beings. Um, you know, they do have... Um, a threshold of, of what they can cop. And I think really it's about just maintaining um, the volunteers that are coming through that want to be umpires and obviously at a paid level that we have that interest that is maintained. And it's like most jobs in life, you've got to create an environment that is inclusive, but an environment that's actually going to embrace the next batch of umpires that come through. So it is really non-negotiable for the appreciation side of things. And Obviously, we're very happy to get behind it here on our program. But um, yeah, I think it would be going forward something that you would like to think that is just a general thought of most uh, football punters. Um, Nathan Morris, obviously, in the news, he's a, a former Waffle player. Um, there's been a story covered um, by Mark Reddings. And like I say, Nathan Morris, a very accomplished Waffle footballer back in the day, obviously mm. giving back to the game. Um, and is also very good uh, representing the goldfields back in the old uh, West Farmers and Landmark Championships. Yeah, big shout-out to Nathan Morris. He's done a great job uh, in his waffle career and also as an umpire, very accomplished, as he said, out there uh, in the country in Western Australia. And he continues to uh, show some great appreciation for the competition and his passion for football as well in general is at an all-time high. So well done to you, Nathan. All the very best for the weekend. And we go to Waffle W. We were talking about uh, umpires getting a lot of recognition and coaches have been getting a lot of talk as well. West Perth have been in the news over the last couple of days. Steve Hazel, he's left the club. Yeah, well, it's a bit of a surprise. I mean, having the privilege of being able to cover some Waffle Women's, it's that you really can see that the coaches are really working at a um, a deep level to drive the women's game and and make sure that the the ladies are getting where they need to get with their skills and just their general progression. So you never know the internals, Paul. Um, I'm not at the West Perth Football Club, so I don't work for the club, so I'm not going to know the exact internals. But I was surprised, especially when um, it's you know, roughly midway through the actual season itself. So um, Steve, I imagine, would definitely have his reasons and it's probably not up to us to question them too much. Um, I'm probably waiting for a secondary announcement. I think there's always something um, a lot more to it with these type of stories, whether there's been a disagreement in the way things are, uh, are done at the club from his angle or whether there's a personal issue going forward. I'm sure that that story um, is only just getting started. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and and it's come as a big surprise. You're absolutely spot on because it only just came after a, a big win against Subiaco. It was a big win against a fellow Premiership contender. They're on the fringe of the final four and only their second season of the competition. So we'll find out more word when it becomes available with uh, those secondary announcements, uh, as you said. This is our Round 6 preview. Daniel Hobbley alongside Paul Persick here on Around the Waffle and where you get your podcasts and on the Backchat YouTube channel. Let's get into the action, Dan. Big game to start off Round 6. I'm going to be at this one 
for the AFL app. Calling the game. It's a big one at Bassendine. Swan Districts and Claremont. Swans, they don't want to lose three in a row at home. Claremont, they want to prove why they are the top team. Well, Claremont are just back where they have probably been building towards over the last couple of years. So I think the Claremont Football Club um, is not, no huge surprise. You know, coming off a, a win of last week, of course, um, you know, to be on top of the ladder, Peel Thunder and Subiaco, they're certainly the three form sides within the league itself. Um, they'll have another a number of representatives too that will uh, no doubt litter that 34-man squad that's been picked for next month's state match against South Australia and Adelaide. Swan Districts, I don't think, are too far away. I think they're a, they're a well-coached side. And to be sitting one win and four losses at this stage uh, with a percentage of 86.21, uh, they'll be disappointed with that. I think they were hoping that things were going to be a lot easier going into this year. They've got a great Colts program that's still developing. There's still plenty of young players coming through on that list. Um, it's going to be a tough assignment, though. I think Claremont, wherever they play at the moment, um, as I mentioned, they're a form side. Um, and But you're not on top of the ladder for no reason, so I think they'll comfortably get over the line. Yeah, I'll say Claremont as well, but it's going to be by a narrow margin. I reckon Swan District's at home, often very hard to beat over there at Steel Blue Oval, especially with the can bar acting as the extra player. Always a great atmosphere over there at Bassendine, and they've got some good players that are coming back. Sam Fisher potentially could be returning from an injury that he suffered in round three, the 2020 Sandover medalist. Watch out for the likes of Jesse Turner. He's seeing a lot of the football this season. Should be polling some Sandover medal votes, to be frank. And also Jarvis Pina is class off halfback as well. On the other side of the coin, Claremont, Bailey Rogers, not only a star in midfield, but a star up forward. He must be a favourite for the Sandover early on. Yeah, his form on the weekend was, uh, I think, just shows that he's, you know, has the ability to play at the top level, um, finishing with three goals from memory. So you're looking at a player that, you know, that can play across that midfield. He's a, a leader at the club. Um, and to kick three goals is just an added bonus. Obviously, a coach is always looking for leadership and, and the possession use when they get the footy. They want them to be as close to 100% as possible. Um, you know, I have a look at their better players across the uh, across the board there. There's no surprise that Jai Bolton continues to have an impact at that level. Tracy, I think, is an underrated player. Ollie Eastland, who's been picked for that 34-man squad and you would suggest would ruck um, in that squad for the state side, continuing to have a strong year. Um, not necessarily the same players that are popping up, but there's a couple of old names there in Eastland and Bolton. So Claremont certainly do have an even um, an even squad. Um, you look at Swan Districts um, with their side, and it's just emerging, as I mentioned. So Claremont, with their experience, as I mentioned, should be able to take care of Swan Districts and continue on, which will take them to 5-1. Yeah, it'll be a big win for Claremont and a big boost to their premiership chances should they get the points. This next one's also a hard one to pick. East Perth and South Fremantle at lead of a Oval. East Perth on the fringe of the five. South Fremantle, well, their season is pretty much on a tightrope. Yeah, East Perth taking on Claremont, obviously, in the previous game within round five. So um, East Perth, I think, are another side that are hard to judge. Um, they're sitting just outside the actual top five itself. They're in sixth position. They're three and two at the current time. Uh, their percentage hasn't been hammered, which is a good thing. So they're still competitively going along and chasing down uh, that fifth position at the moment. They, um, I think, probably lack a couple of key positions down back, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, having a look through their better players, there's certainly a, a decent spread of good players that I think can... Uh, continue to push towards that final spot. Um, I'm a big fan of North. I think he's a good player at that level and he's made a good start to the actual season itself. So 
East Perth and South Fremantle. South Fremantle have been out of sorts. Um, they've probably underestimated, I think, the ability of Brock Higgins to play, you know, a full 15 to 16 games this year. He's pretty banged up at the moment. So they're working through that transition. And I think it must be said that um, anyone at South Fremantle would probably heavily admit this. Do they miss Sloyth, don't they? Uh, Paul, yeah. I just feel like at this stage, they would love him back in those colours. I think he's playing amateurs at North Fremantle in this season. So um, June 30 um, hasn't rolled around just yet. Uh, will we see Hayden Sloyth make a shot comeback? You just never know. Um, certainly not within a new cycle at the moment, but gee, they miss him. Yeah, they not only miss Schleuth, but they also miss uh, Mason Shaw up forward. He was a key weapon in their premiership win in 2020. They also miss a few good young players. They've also been missing Jake Florenka as well. He's been touted to return for a while as well, but uh, he hasn't been finding the necessary miles in the reserves competition to uh, make his way back into the main side. Will he be selected for the game against East Perth? Only time will tell. I will agree on Tom North. I mean, he's not only an equal leader in the Around the Waffle Player of the Year award, but he just continuously gets the job done. He had another 35 possession game in that seven-point loss to Claremont. And if I was the uh, South Fremantle forward line, I'd be having two eyes on the back of my head for uh, Tom North. He could really rattle that South Fremantle forward line inside 50 on Saturday. I'm going to go East Perth. I'm calling this one. I reckon East Perth will get over the line against the Bulldogs and uh, cause the Bulldogs' season to crack. Yeah, South Fremantle are definitely struggling. There's no doubting that. And they're in that unfamiliar position. I think you'd be brave, man, to tip against East Perth. Um South Fremantle sitting second last at the moment. I would say just for their connection, uh, there's a lot more connection, I believe, at East Perth across all their lines, their forward line, their midfield and their back line. South Fremantle look unsettled at the moment. Uh, Todd Curley's under a lot of pressure. Um, I would say East Perth for me. Yeah, East Perth for me as well. Maybe by about three goals uh, in that one at Leaderville Oval on Saturday. Perth taking on West Perth at Mineral Resources Park in Lathlane. Now, a lot of people are saying it may be a big win for West Perth, but it's a big day for the Demons. Michael Sinclair, 150 games, and Matthew Taylor, 100, 100 games for the Demons. Huge day. Two club stalwarts. You don't come across better players that, you know, pull on a jump for Perth in the last few years and, and really, you know, ply their trade. They're, they're just honest without being flashy. Sinclair has done that his whole career, played in all positions. He's played across the midfield, played on a wing, played in the key position down back, has drifted forward at times when they have struggled. And there has been a lot of years, naturally, that the Perth Demons have struggled. Look, they will take... I watched with interest Peter German's interview earlier in the week after their win over West Coast. Uh, Peter German um, was quite um, careful with the way he selected his language. They've bashed up a side that's probably, you know, pretty second string within the waffle at the moment. We don't have to document too much how the Eagles are going at both levels at senior and reserve level. So I think he took it with a grain of salt. It kickstarts Perth's year, gets them some percentage with respect to West Coast. I can't see Perth beating West Perth. Um, I think West Perth um, had a slow start to season 2023, but they knocked over East Fremantle last week. Um, and I just have a belief that um, West Perth across the lines um, are just much stronger. I don't think that um, Perth naturally have a, a, a match-up for Nelson. I don't think they've had that probably for the last five, six years. It's been a, a bad record against West Perth, and I suggest that it will um, continue on. Perth, uh, I think, need to be getting a lot more supply through the midfield, and that starts with uh, your Ruckman, and there's going to be a lot of uh, pressure on that Perth midfield to try and produce and and get some um, a pill out of the source. Um, West Perth, strong, strong midfield. 
very well set up. And often when they go inside 50, you've only got to look at their inside 50s. They often score. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And last week, to uh, add to the, their win over East Fremantle, they did that without Aaron Black, their prime midfield leader who sees a lot of the football and is key in setting up their entries inside Ford 50. And he could return for that game against Perth. So there's going to be more problems for the Demons, I'm afraid. In fact, Perth, their record against West Perth, they have not won at Lathlane Park against the Falcons. Get ready for this since round 6, 2005. So that's a long, long way ago. Let me tell you that, Hobbers. But have a look at this. Uh, Perth are number one in disposals. They're number one in marks. But West Perth, they're fifth in disposals, two in marks. But their kick-to-handball ratio, they're number one, the Falcons as well. So they use the ball so well and so efficiently at all ends of the ground. They had to against East Fremantle because they were a tough side over there at the WACA ground where it's often very hard to beat the Sharks over there. But having said that, I reckon Perth will be competitive but not enough to beat the Falcons. It'll be by about six goals, I would say. I mean, look at the likes of Sinclair and Taylor, as you said, stalwarts of the clubs. But Charlie Thompson in midfield, very prolific and great season he's had coming over from Victoria and the Fords. Jaden Hunter, who came back last week from injury, and Harry Quartermain, if they get going, then the West Perth defence will have a little bit of work to do. Fortunate enough to call a game earlier this year down in Mandra, Paul, and I'll certainly back you up in regards to... Um to those players that you mentioned, um, especially um, Thompson. I think um, I look at West Perth and I think a player that's severely underrated that we don't talk about enough is Meadows. Yeah. He, I think, can play highest level. Um, that's another player I think they're going to struggle to match up on. Tyler Keitel, too. It's questionable whether uh, they can find someone that can stick with him during the game. So, look, I'm not shooting Perth down. I think their their season so far has, has certainly been one of progression, and that was a key word that Peter German used in his broadcast the other night within his press conference. The West Perth are seasoned. Um, when it gets tough, that's the moment you need to be looking if Perth are going to improve going forward. And at this stage, when things have got tough against sides like West Perth, against sides like Claremont and Subiaco, they haven't been able to find those gears, especially after the, you know, the last 24 to 36 months. So I expect the game to be tough in tight and West Perth just to you know, niggle their way through with their experience. Um, but Perth, I think you're right, we'll give it a crack. So West Perth probably less for me. I reckon they'll be three or four goals as opposed to the six that you've tipped them off. Yeah, I'll say West Perth as well over there at Lathlane. Now we go to what they call... The Waffle Derby, if you will, at Lane Group Stadium in Mandra, in informed Peel Thunder against, like you said, a second-rate West Coast Eagles who have been struggling on all fronts. In fact, the only time West Coast has beaten Peel Thunder was back in round 13 of 2019. But when you're looking at the Peel Thunder side on paper, and despite all the naysays about, you know, the free alignment and all that sort of stuff, this is a side that deserves to be in that top three bracket. Without a doubt, I think Peel Thunder has, um, you know, has been the question marks naturally over there, you know, the amount of Docker players that are coming back and the system that they've had so far, I think, um, has worked pretty well. Um, they have had the, you know, added advantage of the senior side at Fremantle not receiving too many injuries. Um, but, yeah, I would expect Peel, um, just through weight of numbers, um, would be good enough to knock off West Coast. I don't think there's going to be too many concerns in that space. West Coast, it must be said, gee, Rob Wiley's under a huge amount of pressure. Oh, yeah. uh, it's really be seeing whether they can, you know, kick a competitive score against anyone for the remainder of the season, especially with the amount of um, damage that's happened at senior level for West Coast. So uh, hard to know where they kick a score from West Coast, hard to know uh, from that midfield of where they can generate enough opportunities. 
And I think that back six is just so well set up at the moment at Peel. Nathan Wilson's having a good season. I think that can't be underestimated. Um, and having Joel Hambley back there, um, I think um, he's just setting them up. And, you know, he's a premiership player at the Bulldogs. You know, there's genuine experience there and they'll outgun West Coast quite easily. And I think it could get ugly, 10 goals plus. Yeah, I have to say, 10 goals, I'd say, for Peel Thunder as well over there in Mandra. And you talk about their midfield. They are running hot. They've started well. Ben Hancock as well, uh, averaging 30 disposals per game. He had six marks in that big win over the Swans. But I pointed this out with Luke Worthington on Tuesday when we reviewed uh, the, the past round of football. They're a poor starting side. They don't start off as well, do Peel Thunder. But they are a very strong finishing side. Whenever they're behind by about three or four goals, they just find a way to get back into the contest and have that desire to kick a winning score, especially with their forwards that have been, oh, they've been on a roll, I say. Blair Bell, he's been in form, also playing up the ground. Sam Sturt, he's got great creative flair inside that 50. Tom Emmett and Brody Wem, they just find those open avenues to goal and get a score on the board. So Peel Thunder easily by about 10 goals at Lane Group Stadium in Mandra. And this final game, Hobbers, is a real hard one to pick. East Fremantle and Subiaco at the WACA ground in Perth. It's the corresponding fixture to the game last year when East Fremantle defeated the Lions by 46 points. But this is a different ball game. This one's expected to be a little bit tighter. Yeah, East Fremantle start a lot, you know, straight away will have to work on their start. So they struggled against West Perth last week you know, from the outset. You know, West Perth went to the break, 4-3 to the Sharks, only three behind. So clearly have to work on their starts. Um, accuracy at goal, I think, has been a little bit off. And that's probably easier to say, kicking seven goals, 15 on the weekend. But, yeah, I... Look at their better players on the weekend. A few of the same names. I've noticed at Leggett um, back in the league side. Uh, Jansen, Burton, um, Marsh, obviously um, well and truly uh, a major cog within that East Fremantle side. Um, big game, isn't it, for East Fremantle oh, where yeah. they stand on the ladder, three and two. I can't see them getting past Subiaco, though. I think I have Subiaco ranked alongside Peel and Claremont as clearly the best three sides in the competition. And that's not just because they're one, two and three on the ladder, but I just think they have a lot more depth, Subiaco. Um, and I honestly believe that um, if they can get on top, they're probably going to be a four to five goal better side than East Fremantle. They look a little bit off, Paul, to me, East Fremantle at the moment. Um, don't look as um, ferocious around the ball and as probably um, classy as last year. Um, still trying to find their best four quarters of footy at the moment. Um, and for Subiaco, just got so many options up at goal. Borchett, um, Cycle playing that second-hand role these days. So a bit of the old equivalent there for a Kennedy and Darling. So they've just got avenues to goal. They've got a very informed ruckman within Zach Clark. 33 years of age, Zach Clark. He's certainly feeling the pinch. Um, wasn't picked within that state squad from memory, which was a little bit of a surprise. But, um, yeah. yeah, look, I think just having Zach Clark and that's um, – Starting 18 um, is exactly what you need. Taj Schofield um, is another number two um, that I believe is um, got the ability um, to you know do some great things and has been picked in that squad. No, you're absolutely right. Taj Schofield has had a spectacular season uh, down back and a little further up the ground. He can provide a key for that state side on uh, May 19th against South Australia. And this game against East Fremantle, I reckon he, in tandem with Colson Tholstrup, who has been on the radar for the mid-season draft, whether it be for West Coast or the Fremantle Dockers, any club that picks Tholstrup, who has been in great form this season, is going to get their defensive stocks boosted drastically. I mean, look at his former. He had a quiet one against South Fremantle, yes, but his ability to shut down the key forwards of any waffle side 
has been outstanding. I mean, look at two weeks ago at Leaderville against Claremont. Shut down Jai Bolton, held him to 11 touches. Outstanding performance. And he can hold down the likes of Leggett, Marsh, and even Luke English uh, to a bad day inside that forward 50. And that's why, along with that depth in midfield that you mentioned, Zach Clark dominating the hitouts at 33 years of age, and the forward options that they have inside 50. That's why I'm going with Subiaco as well. But if anyone thinks that it's going to be a walk in the park, think again. Yeah, Subi for me, I just think they're a better side at the current time. And as I mentioned, I'll just stick to my guns with these surmounts just a little bit off at this stage. They're still a very good football side and they're still dangerous. But I think Subiaco, if the weather's decent, um, they do play a really great brand of football in the sunshine. So I expect Subi to win by four or five goals. Yeah, Subiaco for me, but I reckon it's going to be a real hard-fought game of footy. Keep in mind, it is a bit of a later start, 4-10 under lights over there. So it should make things very, very interesting indeed. Just before we let you go, Dan, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. May 19, the state game between West Australia and South Australia at the Adelaide Oval. Who wins? South Australia are going to be very, very hard to beat. Uh, I'd probably be going with South Australia. I know that goes against the every grain in my body. I think West Australia's squad, it looks like a, a decent blend of youth and experience. I think they're going to be wonderfully led by their state team coach in Cam Shepherd. Obviously, he's played, um, you know, well, coached um, at that highest level and, and taken sides to premierships. Um, but the state squad, I think, is a good one. Um, Hamish Brayshaw. Um, it's a handy inclusion. I think the likes of uh, Eastland are going to be absolutely vital. Some great opportunities there for Stefan Gyro to go into that side. Ben Hancock, I thought, was a great inclusion. He's had a wonderful first month of the season under Peel Thunder. Matty Jupp going in there for East Fremantle is an old stalwart. So there's plenty of great numbers through there. Michael Sinclair obviously celebrating 150 games. From a Perth perspective, great to see him make that squad. Going to be interesting just to see how they set that forward line up. You don't want to be too top-heavy. So it'll be interesting to see where they play Ben Sokol within that squad. Um, naturally, you know, 34 blokes being named, there's only 22 spots that are going to be really going to be official. So um, I think that they're good enough to beat South Australia. But just in home conditions, I probably will go with South Australia by one or two goals. It'll be very, very close, though. But South Australia just so hard to beat on their home deck. It'll be a great game, and uh, this one may shock you. I'm actually going the other way. I reckon West Australia can go to the Adelaide Oval and take back the Hayden Bunton Cup. It'll be a great game either way, and we'll have two specials next Thursday and the following Tuesday after the state game here on Around the Waffle. Thanks to Back Chat. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, great to chat with you once again, all things footy, and all the best for the weekend's action. Absolute pleasure, Paul, and uh, yeah, happy to fill in any time, mate. Thanks, Dan, and thank you to all our listeners and our viewers as well on the Backchat YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcast to another edition of Around the Waffle. Don't forget, Tuesday, we'll have Ross McQueen from the East Perth Football Club joining us about their game against South Fremantle and so much more. And Taylor Cowper, hopefully, will be coming back into the studio to step back into the action and review all the action from round six. Don't forget, you can check out every WAFL game on the AFL app, live, free, and in full, and, of course, on afl.com.au. Thank you very much much for your company. We look forward to seeing you on Tuesday when we review Round 6. Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.